You know, Ethan, sir, I think that this episode, An Embarrassment of Duplas, is at the moment my favorite episode of the season. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. I don't agree that the episode that clearly should have been called The Trouble with Duplers was maybe um, fine. You don't agree that it's my favorite episode? I'm not saying it's the best episode. I'm not saying overall it's the best episode of the season. I'm not making a statement. I'm saying that it's my favorite episode. I think you're blinded uh, by your own excitement, and it's not your favorite. I think the second episode Next week. Next week's going to be my favorite. Right. Yeah, though it's interesting. We generally have similar, more similar r- big-picture reactions. I think yeah. we're different. I'm uh, lukewarm on it. I liked it fine. We, I think so far this season, we've had more varying opinions with each other than sure. last season. Sure. I feel like... And that's the, just the kind of honesty that I'm going to bring to our listeners. Right. You know? Right. If my... Uh, if my take is lukewarm, I'm gonna give you my lukewarm take. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, pick a hot take just for it to be a hot take. Yeah. I'm not gonna pump up my excitement artificially. I'm not gonna disagree with you just to disagree. I'm not gonna say it's terrible just to have a strong opinion. I'm gonna give it to you straight, straight through the space dock doors. Uh, right. Yeah. So, I th- yeah. So I really I watched this episode probably four times which is not what I normally do when a new episode comes out before we record. I don't normally, I usually watch it twice, sometimes three times. I watch it once. I watch it once just to watch it. And then I watch, and then I do a notes watch after that. I I think I, I really, I just, I really enjoyed the ending of the show. I really enjoyed how, I found the ending of this episode to be extremely wholesome and just very sweet and very nice. And I, that kind of did it for me. I think that there's some really nice character development in this episode. It resolves some of the tension that has kind of been hanging there since the beginning of the season with Mariner and Boimler about Boimler going to going over to the Titan and her not being happy about it. I like that they chose to wrap that up in a very nice way. And I just found the ending of the episode to be very touching. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, which we will get into, but yeah. I enjoyed one aspect of the ending. One aspect. One aspect, not not another. Yeah. Well, this of course is episode 15 of the series, episode five of the season, an embarrassment of Duplers. So big picture as we always do, you say you liked it fine, as you said. Yeah, I liked it fine. Um, I didn't really care much for the Duplers and Tendi and Rutherford's. Don't upset me, or I'll duplicate myself. <laughs> was a little um lackluster. The main storyline sort of had the things that we um. The things that I like about the show enough. So that's why I felt a little um, this, warm. This week was Mariner and Boimler heavy. That was definitely the most dense plot of the episode. The I liked the Dupler plot quite a bit. I thought it was very funny. 
because they cut, I thought they were cutting back to it at just the right times. And the Rutherford and Tendy plot I thought was fun. It got the least amount of screen time, but it kind of got folded in with it kind of got folded in with the Dupler plot anyway, right? They got caught up in the whole thing, so they were the the, the two plots kind of merged toward the end. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um, so let's get so the big plot, of course, is the Mariner and Boimler plot, and. The the gist of this plot is that the Cerritos is docking at Starbase 25 and there's an exclusive party there for Starfleet VIPs that they really want to go to. So Boimler decides to... And the Cerritos, of course, is not the is not one of these ships that is able to go because as one of the... As the bouncer says, Luna class and above only. Which I don't really know what the Starfleet vessel ranking scale is when he says that. I don't know where California class ships fall into that whole category. They're pretty low, but right. she actually mentioned it at a point. She's the Captain Mariner. Captain Mariner said, um, I'll be the only California class captain there. So she, Captain Freeman, thought she was invited. Oh, thank you. Yes. yes. Um, she thought she was invited. It seemed like she was invited, but so yeah, it seems like if you're below a certain level, you need a special invitation. Right. But if you're above a certain level, you can just walk in, it seems. So, of course, Boimler knows that his clone is on board the Titan and he try and he poses as his clone to get in and tries to bring Mariner as his plus one. So he decides I'm just gonna use my his clone as a means to get access. But I like how he even takes a moment to express almost some jealousy of his clone. Because his clone is much more confident and a little bit more of a badass than he is. So it's almost like he's jealous of himself. Okay, yeah, the thing that sort of surprises me here, and I know that I had talked before about treating the show as a sitcom and not taking things too deep or analyzing or thinking too much about it. Um, but I just, I'm starting to tire of the Mariner comes up with a wacky idea. Um, Boimler kind of half-heartedly resists and then goes along with it and then they get into trouble. Right. It just, it just seems like they got to have something different. And I don't know that Boimler, it just seems very unrealistic that, anyone would follow Mariner on any of these hijinks when every time it gets them almost killed. Yeah, you think by now he would learn. Yeah, by now. No one would listen to Mariner when she says she has some wacky idea. I understand that's the show. Um, well, that goes back to what I said in the first episode. Uh, somebody on the, I was quoting somebody on the Trek BBS who uh, echoed the same sentiments that you did five epi- four episodes ago, saying... Mm-hmm. How long? How long is she going to keep? How long is this? How long are they going to keep this up? Are they actually going to do something with her and try to make her a little bit more, you know, serious? So, right. Because, and yeah. when they're on an away mission and she comes up with a side mission that's gonna that she thinks is more beneficial to the people than what Starfleet actually does, that I I can roll with more. Right. Because that has a sort of a purpose to it. But when it's just like, let's sneak into a party we're not supposed to go to. Um, it's, yeah, it's very clear that. It's kind of like, not- you know what it is? It's kind of like, is this aspect of Mariner's personality, of Mariner's character, kind of like a one punchline thing? Because you know how like you'll have those characters on a sitcom who only really serve one purpose. And they'll just come in when we need a laugh or 
like the very, I'm not saying Mariner's one dimensional, but you'll have those like one dimensional characters who are just there for like they're just like a one a one joke pony who just come in to do that and then leave. They come into the or scene like that yeah. Even a Kramer. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, Kramer. Yeah. Yeah, where it's not like he's one joke, but he's one sort of type of story. He's only when one. You get a Kramer story. It's like he comes up with yeah. some crazy idea that's, that's a... hilarious just on its face, and then you follow it through to its logical conclusion. And that's a, a much better way. Things. That's exactly a much better way of putting it. There's only there's only there's only one type of story you can do with Kramer. You can't really do anything serious. And with Kramer, it was like, you know, what sort of insane thing is he gonna, is he going to get into this week? And he doesn't. Yeah. It's, you sort know, of becoming like that with Mariner, right? Well, and a lot <laughs> of the don't, and don't forget, like a lot of the times Kramer was doing shit on his own, right? And it wasn't until later when those stories connected at the end. But yeah, like I mean, it's kind of I have to think about it. I'd have to, but has it been has that been the case for every episode of the season? I mean, I'm thinking of this one. I'm thinking of uh, her and Tendi two weeks ago. Yeah, there was right. her with the um, I, like I said, the one where she wanted to clean up the planet. Which the first episode, yep. I can give which... that a bit of a more of a leeway because right. I like that side of her that thinks right. Starfleet's not focusing on the right issues. Starfleet doesn't actually help people. I want to actually help people. Yeah. That's sort of the side that I'm more interested in. But you could say that that was her, you know, coming up with her own plan, going with it. I can see what you something. mean. I can see what you mean. I mean, I think that I could understand that. I could understand somebody getting tired of it. Yeah, I guess I'm getting a little bit tired of it because it gets, and then it's the stakes kind of, not the stakes, but, well, you know, the stakes, the stakes get more and more kind of outrageous as it goes to, well, like, they're going to go to a penal colony now. They're, like, committing, um, you know, arms smuggling, and they're going to go to a penal colony because the police are corrupt on Starfleet bases. Yeah, Which, it's it's. I can't wait to hear the, the outcry that it violates Gene's uh, Gene Roddenberry's vision that right. uh, the Starfleet security would be corrupt because right. it's everything's supposed to be perfect. Yeah, there wasn't really. I mean, there was nothing. There was no like Mariner Wild idea last week with the Mogatu. I mean, she was involved, but it had nothing to do with like it wasn't her idea to do any of that. That's true. Yeah, right? and oh yeah, so I like that a little, I like that but, a little better. Just but put I mean, them in missions. They can just go on missions and, and do seriously stuff can happen. Right. But I, I but again, you know, I would agree in to a to a degree that it's that's the most even though they may not do it with her all the time, it's definitely the most common thing that they will do with her. She'll always it's always she's she'll always scheme something up and then yeah. they will go along with it and then they'll all and then something terrible will happen and yeah. Yeah, you get a bunch of gags along the way, and right. I think sort of their their um, the car chase was a good example. Yeah, because it was a car chase, sure, but then it was the ability to quickly zip through a bunch of different gags right. based on track, which was definitely effective. I'm not going to say it wasn't effective. Right. And I laughed. What would you? I mean, what would you say? You would want to see. What would you? What do you want to see happen with her? I mean, if they get away from that. Where would you want to see it go? Well, one would be, I guess, her trying to... do better. Like, do things that Starfleet is not doing, and that's where the trouble comes from. Or just be on missions and her role in it, and, you know, something there could happen. Um, 
it's yeah she she just has a lot of autonomy and free time for a someone that's in a, a regimented organization like starfleet i think for me it would be it would have to be because she talked about in the first season about how she's worked her way down she was up there and now she's just working her way down but over the course of the last few episodes specifically like last week when they thought she was black ops and then this week with her sort of resolving everything with boimler we find out through all of this that you know she said like oh i took martial arts because i didn't have any friends she said that last week and then this week she says you know when boimler finds out that she was upset about the whole thing going over to the titan she says you were my best friend you you just left me and we didn't even you know you just left so there's definitely some vulnerability there and what i would like to see them do is now that the two of them have this kind of tension patched up between the two of them and she's jokingly referring to mariner um boimler as her number one who should grow the beard i'm hoping that and also combined with boimler who wanted to get into that vip party and wants to kiss ass I was getting a sense from Boimler that like he's beginning to find a purpose and where he wants to go, right? Things that he wants to like he wants to he definitely still wants to climb up, right? My hope is is that a Boimler can have a positive effect on who she is and make her want to right these perceived wrongs about her, make her less like make her less inclined to do the stuff that you don't you're getting you're growing tired of maybe actually do, make something of herself yeah and that's why i'm sort of at this confused place with the show because it's definitely they put us on that they put her on that trajectory at the end of last season but then quickly sent her back right so, right you know the feeling is that now especially as you said, it's sort of now the reset is complete in a way that now the relationship between Boimler and Mariner is back where it was at the very beginning of the show. Right. He wants to go up. She gives him a hard time about it. And, you know, always kind of is one, not one, like three steps ahead of him. Right. And so we're, I feel like we're very much back where we were. Right. But you're hoping that it's not going to be, what you what you don't want it to be is a retread of where we were last season. You actually want it right. to go in a meaningful Somewhere. in a meaningful place to yeah. a meaningful but place. But I don't expect it anymore. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I think it's shown its sitcom nature. It's interesting. I mean, it's one of those you're willing to let them do that in the first season because it's a new show. You're letting them kind of establish themselves and sort of win you over as it was. But once you get into another season, it's sort of like a trilogy of films, right? Like when Force Awakens came out, it was like, okay, great. This is a great movie. It's sort of reintroducing you to everything. But now what do you do? And sorry for people who don't like Force Awakens. I did. <laughs> but then once you get to the second In one. Now looking back, I can see. Right. But then it's like, it. okay, great. But now once you get to the second one, You've really got to do something now. Now, what are you going to do? So it's sort of like it works. I guess I, I would say I would argue the TV kind of works in a similar way. You're willing to cut them a lot more slack in the first season of a show, but then once you get to the second one, you've really got to build on what you established in the first one instead of just sort of rehashing everything. 
So I think that's right. why, and that could be why I was a little impatient with things over the first few couple of couple of episodes, maybe looking at it with a little bit more of a jaundiced eye because I just wanted to, like... Like go someplace and commit to what you're doing, mm, and then even yeah, getting yeah, a little bit more frustrated right. because they seem to backtrack it all. Yeah, it's. I think maybe what I'm noticing is that in the beginning you like really wanted Boimler back, and I, I did. I did. So now we've got Boimler back, and now I'm feeling a little disenchanted with the show, and you're feeling a little better about it. So maybe it's just we we were both expecting different things. Well, for me, Boimler is a great sense of. Like, he's a great avenue for comedy on the show. And I wasn't ready for him to go just yet. And that's, I believe, what brings us to that sitcom model. Right. Where the sitcom, you can't lose one of the main characters. The sitcom's all about the the characters and the situations. Right. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm going to make a very dated reference. I think all our references are dated, but go ahead. <laughs> but um, if you take, like, say, the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, in the uh, first few seasons, you had Mary and Rhoda, who were great together. And then Rhoda got spun off into her own show, and the Mary Tyler Moore show continued for a couple of more seasons after that. But it never felt the same without Rhoda being there, because she was a... <laughs> she was just a you know she was a she was a leg on that table and yeah. <laughs> this reference is for all of our listeners that are collecting social security right now <laughs> well i mean and people have to i mean if listeners who've been listening to us since the beginning of the show know that I do. I've, I do have an appreciation for classic television. So Absolutely. I was not there watching that show when it was on the air, of course. Yeah. Kevin is not collecting but, social security, um, neither am I, unfortunately. Probably not for another 35 years or so. Um, but I, th- I just, I couldn't think of a, honestly, I couldn't think of a better example. I mean, but I just, to me, Boimler was, Boimler was a very important character. And I just felt like if you remove, if you removed him and so quickly, I think it would have been a mistake to do so. I'm not saying you can't eventually put him on the Titan, but I just didn't feel like the time was right to do that because the show had just like, especially since the way we were feeling at that time, we had felt like the show had really found its groove, took a few episodes to get there, but it really had kind of settled into this mode where it was definitely firing on, firing on all cylinders. We knew what everybody's strengths were. We knew what their weaknesses were. Characters worked, relationships worked. And then suddenly they throw this in. And I'm like, wait, what? And, and so and I felt like yeah. it was a bold move. It was, though, but I, I don't disagree. Settle in. And then it's like, yes, this is great. We could do 20 seasons like this, but we're not going to. We're going somewhere else. I thought it was bold. So you, so what you wanted them to do was you wanted them to put Boimler on the Titan, keep him there, and maybe bring in that other guy, Jet, in his place. Yeah. To yes. see how that works. And yeah. have Mariner maybe move up and try to make changes, but... You know, this is, I do believe it's unfair to um, criticize a show for not being the thing you thought it should be. Criticize right. what you get. Right. And I do have critiques of what we get. Right. And continue. I mean, that was a... I do laugh. But here's another, I guess this is going to become the, I'm airing my grievances. Um, I'm this... getting also tired of 
this idea that star the characters of the Star Trek shows we know exist in the Star Trek universe at the same celebrity level that they exist in our world. Hmm. Like commemorative plates for Tom Paris or action figures of Jack um, for D- Deep Space Nine model. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, I mean, it makes sense that some people would be known. Picard would be known. I mean, he's very Kirk and Spock, of course. I mean, yeah, Kirk and Spock would yeah. be known, yeah. but they wouldn't. I don't think that it wouldn't be like this. Well, I mean, Kirk and Spock. It's their, it's their fourth wall breaking sort of thing of like, yeah, we collect action figures of Kirk and Spock when, too. They haven't said that, but I when wouldn't you be think, surprised if we see it. I mean, throughout the franchise history, I mean, they've they have referred to Kirk and Spock. You know, not with action figures, but you know, with the reverence and the like, they're legends in their time, but they're not like they don't look at them like say we would have looked at William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, right? Yeah, there's no commemorative plates before this show. Right, right, exactly. So, I would probably push back a little bit on the models, only because like I could go to the model shop and get an F-16 model or get an aircraft carrier Enterprise model if I could find one. So, right, but is it gonna say like, oh, it, it, it comes with like the third lieutenant, and you're gonna know their name? I, I, I mean, I honestly like that stuff. I take it or leave it. I mean, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't minded it. Yeah. And sometimes I do, and this time I did. <laughs> when it seems too much, like it's it just takes me out of the fact that I'm in the star in the Star Trek universe rather than watching something about the Star Trek universe. Right. I, I, I don't have a lot of like I, I honestly don't have a lot of thoughts on that. I mean I, I it doesn't do it that doesn't really do much for me either way. I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's 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 cutesy, but but at the yeah, same like, time I, I like Tom Paris plate. But at the same time, oh, I mean sorry. I wouldn't I, I can't say that I would miss it. I can't say that I wouldn't miss it if it if it if it, if they took it out. So yeah. Yeah. And I think you could still do jokes like that. It's just, yeah, it just, it's weird. It's starting to f- strike me as weird now. Right. Well, focusing on the Boimler Mariner plugs, I know we're kind of a little, we seem a little disheveled today. What is your kind of um, feeling about that plot and sort of like the development of it, how it resolved itself? I mean, did you feel like that was something that needed to be resolved between the two of them. Cause I, I do. I, yeah. I think they planted some seeds here and there. Mariner had made some comments and she certainly made some comments and this was like, you're the abandoner. And, um, you know, it was, to the viewer, it was very clear what she meant, but Boimler wasn't picking up on it. Right. So I thought that was pretty well done. Um, and they had, there had been some hints dropped in other ep- the previous episodes. So that's right. I think that was well done. And I think the fact that they had to have it out and the fact that he actually had an explanation that made sense and seemed true to the character uh, that he didn't want to say it. She would have talked him out of it. He was afraid she was going to talk him out of it. And he, like you got to find out that he didn't he felt bad. He didn't want to do it that way, but he sort of felt like he had to. I found all that very believable. 
So that was well done. I liked the subplot of this Starfleet VIP party because I like how it served as a way to kind of keep the Cerritos in its place and kind of reinforce the idea that, yes, it's not really an important ship, but because I think out of that comes these moments where like, you know, yeah, I don't need to go to that party to feel important. We're just going to go to this little hole in the wall and enjoy each other's company. And, you know, we don't need to go, we don't need to go to that party to kind of feel like we're important. And there was just this, you know, when Boimler and Mariner go to that bar and they find it in that, that hole in the wall bar and they see, they learn that Kirk and Spock also got thrown out of that party early on because, and the bartender points to their names being carved on the, on the, uh, the surface of the, uh, of the bar. I just thought that it really brought on some nice moments and specifically at the end when Boimler and Mariner get this whole thing between them resolved and the rest of the Cerritos crew is with them. I mean, the captain's there and the first officer and the, uh, the doctor's there and, you know, Shax is there. But I like that moment where the two of them resolve everything, Freeman standing with them. And, you know, Boimler's or Mariner's saying, you're my number one. And he's like, no, no, you can't do that. Like, I want to redo. And the captain's like, no, no, I saw it. And then she kind of drags him away. And the captain looks on the thing and then on the bar. And you see that Mariner has also carved Mariner and Boimler next to Kirk and Spock. Which I thought was really touching. But I also kind of liked, you know, just in sort of the captain's expression, I kind of liked that, you know, like, you two are weird kids, but you're my weird kids. You're on my crew. You're on my ship. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I just really liked those last few seconds of the, of the episode. Like, you know, we may not be the best ship in the fleet, but we don't need to be the best ship in the fleet. Like we don't even need to go to that party anymore. That's just, that's what I, that's what I took from those last few moments of that, of this episode. It's sort of also can kind of stand in for Boimler wanting to go to the Titan. Yeah, and like wanting to be in the quote-unquote cool kid club and wanting to be with the the cool people. And my favorite part of that is that in the end, the entire like all the essentially all the characters we know, yeah, wound up in the same spot. Yeah, and they all sort of bonded over their um, exclusion from the yeah. cool fleet club. You you are putting this far more eloquently than I than I have. Yes, thank you. Sure. Um, that that was the aspect that I liked about it. Um, what I didn't love as much is the Kirk and Spock part. Oh, really? Okay. It just well, because it speaks to what you were saying earlier, right? The way they the the way they view them. Not even it just it left me with too many questions <laughs> because for like so first we know that. Even in the Discovery time, Enterprise is a known and badass ship, right? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. The, the, did they call it the, what did they call it? The, not the, the flagship, right? No, but they, what they say is the Constitution, the Constitution class vessels are the, are basically, you know, the pride of Starfleet. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see any, any situation that Kirk and Spock were not allowed into that party because yeah. we already know that Kirk and Spock would not have known each other until because Spock was already on the Enterprise. 
They would not have known each other until Kirk showed up on the Enterprise. Right, right. There's no world that they would have got kicked out. Secondly, I can't see Spock agreeing to carve their names into a bar. Thirdly, I can't see that bar existing in a base. It's like, so no one will know what we're talking about, but we have a little bar nearby called Sligo. It's like having Sligo on a Federation base. A dumpy dive bar made out of wood with the jukebox for the night. That would be, that would not be, you know what? It would be a hologram, that bar. And you can't carve in a hologram. I feel like, like, sure, but I feel like the, the, the look of the bar itself feeds into that symbolism that you're talking about. Right. But. I would have rather have seen a, you know, future Starfleet version of a dive bar rather than, I, you know, a, that that looks like a place that Archie Bunker would go and have a drink. Archie Bunker's place. I, I I don't know if I'm I, I'm willing to push back on the Kirk and Spock thing because I'm to me I don't I I'm not willing to. I like that that because it led to. A moment between the between these two, which I thought was very effective. I don't feel like it ruins Kirk and Spock at all in any way. And I, I like for me, I'm like I'm honestly like that's I'm fine with that. Yeah. See, for me, I'm it doesn't okay ruin Kirk and Spock. I think the inclusion of Kirk and Spock ruins that moment for me. Right. Because then I'm I'm left thinking. See, and that's. That's and I'm not saying like there's anything wrong with that, but it's things like that. Yeah. When I when I think too much about and you've said to me many times like this is where I'm gonna say so I'm actually gonna use this on you now. I think you're thinking about it too much. Right, and I'm gonna. I don't think so. Only because yeah, anyone that knows anything about Kirk and Spock, I feel like that's gonna be a question immediately. Is right. Wait, why would they get kicked out of that party? They were the best, coolest in the whole damn Starfleet. Right. And clearly, only not cool people well, are allowed in. Keep are in, not allowed. In. I, I'm also going to say this: the the bartender does not specify the year. She says twenty two sixty something. So, and in the original timeline, we don't we've not seen when Kirk and Spock met. We don't know when they met. Okay, you're assuming that they met. You're assuming this is when they're on the Enterprise, which could not even, which may not even be the case at all. What if there's a time before them? Okay, I guess there could potentially be... There could be some time in there, right? All right. In you're theory, just, there you're... could be a time that Spock was not on the Enterprise, even though we right. know he was on it, and then we know he was on it later, maybe, and maybe could the have bar- been a time that he wasn't. Maybe the bartender just told us what happens in the last episode of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, still right. don't like it. But, but also, okay. I, think there's, I think there's other things you can think about as well, right? You know, maybe... Keep in mind, the Constitution class, not the Enterprise, the Constitution class were considered like, you know, the pride of the fleet at the time. Mm -hmm. But as I just said a little while ago, when they say Luna class and above, right? I don't know what that scale is. Now, obviously, I say pride, they say pride of the fleet. Mm. I don't remember, but don't quote me on that because I don't know what the exact words are on Discovery. Well, well, do we know is the later... Is it is it referred to as a Constitution class in Next Generation? No, that's a Galaxy class. 
Okay. Yeah. So. And who knows? Maybe they only started this rule later about the party. Potentially. I mean, the rules, you know, we're talking over 100 years ago, right? I mean, the rules could have been different. Yeah. For me. Maybe you had to know somebody to get in. Who knows? Yeah. For me, it didn't work, but it was a minor sin. It wasn't a capital offense. I I was okay with it because it led to to a nice moment between Mariner and Boimler. And as I said, I really liked that moment at the end of the episode. I thought it was very nice and very touching. Mm. Um, I'm just a little bit like some of the other critiquers that I usually don't like, but I I think that moment though could have stood on its own as just the crew not getting in and having that moment together. I don't think that the addition of the Kirk and Spock, especially given that for me, it raised more questions uh, was needed because I felt the camaraderie of the crew worked perfectly on its own. So you think that if they just carved their names in the bar without even there being a Kirk and Spock, they would have still worked. Mm, they didn't even have to carve their names. It could have just been the crew commiserating together and joking around and seeing mm-hmm. them, you know, have their personalities together. I mean, see, uh, I think Kirk and Spock's name may have been carved in that bar, but I don't think it's about who it is as much as the strength of the bond between the two of them. And that's what I think they were trying to get across with Mariner and Boimler. It's not about being on the same level as Kirk and Spock. It's about having a bond as strong as those two did. Yeah. And I I think that's what they're going for. Yes. I just wish they'd done it in a way that made sense to me. Yeah. As someone who knows a little bit about them. Yeah. And bars. (laughs) So that bar you mentioned, you want to go there and we cover names in the bar? No, not at all. I would not go to that bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. anything made of wood at that time is just not, not, doesn't make any sense. Well, don't forget. Why would it even be there? I'm also, well, okay, hold on. She just said, she just said that bartender says they've been over there, for that she, that bar's been there for over 100 years. Okay. Yeah. What, did that, what do you think that station could have looked like 100 years ago? Wouldn't, maybe, they, maybe they built everything up all around it. Well, okay, but 100 years from then is still maybe maybe that entire starbase looked yeah. like a looked like the original series had the original series okay. aesthetic on it and they the decided to even have wooden bars with jukeboxes and they decided to give it an entire reskin right maybe the bar is meant to be retro we have these fucking johnny rockets places that look like the 1950s maybe the bar was built to look retro well that's fair Okay, but again, but, I think you're thinking. I think you are thinking about it too much. I think I am too. Yeah, but I'm glad also, I can say that to you because you said that to I me know, last week. I'm really taking no. pride in doing this to you. <laughs> I, I think yes, you're letting those things ruin your enjoyment. There are times when I can't. It, I, I don't think I'm thinking too much. I think I'm just thinking a regular amount, and right. it's not. You can't help a, it. Right, it's so in your face. I don't. Right. I feel like I'm not going very far to be like, why would there be like a 1940s style bar here? And like, why would Kirk and Spock not get into right. the elite party when and we see, know they're elite? I know it's exactly. Broken. I know exactly why you're thinking that way because I've done the same myself, and yeah. I realize I'm doing it, and I sometimes hate that I'm doing it. Well, I don't mind because because I I, I don't, I don't want it. You no, know, I don't do it a lot. I don't want it to ruin my enjoyment. I yeah. I yeah. I'm more happy that I can just say this back to you. 
yes, I still don't think I'm overthinking. I think I'm regular thinking it. And I think that they didn't think it through enough. But that's all I'll say on the matter. But I did enjoy the episode. It's just, you know, I've accepted that. If you, you know, I've said it's not. I, I, you know what it is? You can't I, take it too seriously. I should, I should actually give you kudos. I should actually give you kudos. Because you were giving that aspect of it an extremely Star Trek fan critique. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so, because that's what that's what a Trekkie would do. I have learned in some ways to try not to do it. But right, yeah, right. I mean, but there are, there are times where I can't help it. That aspect yeah, that of it just didn't bother me. Yeah, that one bothered me a lot. Yeah. The fact that he's doing the models and they come with the figures of people who are still serving in the dang places. Yeah. You know, and he know they all know their names and they have. Uh, but didn't you like, didn't you like it when they were like when they were when they were in the shuttle bay and all those duplers were like filling up the place and they take out the warp core and they detonate it and they make it seem like this big explosion but it's like so tiny a little bit yeah, yeah. it was okay because i thought if you're know, gonna kill all the duplers <laughs> right that was my first thought right so we spent a lot of time on that you're yeah. gonna like trigger a self-destruction just throw the model into the crowd right. so I'm glad they didn't do that. We've spent a lot of time on, but it's a good conversation. But the 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 duplers themselves, I thought were great because that is a for me. They're a really funny concept that I think could only work on lower decks. I could see them in season one of Deep Space Nine, <laughs> or season one of Next Generation. Yeah. But, but you were saying that, I mean, in, in principle, they work the same way as the Tribbles do. Oh, very much so, yeah. yes. Although they added the emotional aspect, which was interesting. I did also sort of like how the whole idea that, okay, we have these people aboard. There's this quirky thing about their emotions, so we have to all yeah. make sure that we Walk act in a certain way. It reminds me of those. One of the really fun things that would happen in Next Gen would be that um, Picard has to entertain dignitaries and he kind of gets exasperated because he's he does it because it's his duty but he hates it and as soon as they're gone he's like oh thank god yeah so we've kind of seen that before and i like that whole idea um so i did like that aspect of it i didn't care that much once they started duplicating it just seemed like would you just beam them like somewhere else because this is getting incredibly dangerous right and then but I did like it was Richard Kind as the voice. Yes. Thankfully, you told me his name because uh, he's fantastic, uh, obviously. And I really love the show um, Big Mouth on Netflix. Yep. And he plays the dad of one of the characters. And he was on uh, John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Bunch yep. special on Netflix, where he played himself giving advice to the kids that were on the show about show business. Right. It was very, very funny. So Richard made, Kind, um, a comedy legend, let's say. A regular on Spin City, uh, would occasional has made occasional appearances on Curb Your Enthusiasm as Larry's cousin Andy. Uh, he's a very funny guy. He's very funny. Yeah. yeah. We, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Kevin and I both really enjoy Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think Spin City, Michael J. Fox's 90s sitcom, is a very underrated show. It's a very underrated show. I'm with it. Yeah. He was the uh, mayor's press secretary on that show. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's very good. So, 
Yeah, the Duplo plot I, I thought was very funny. But, um, yeah. The, obviously, the star plot of this episode was what we were talking about with Mariner and Boimler. So, yeah. uh, my closing thoughts on that is that I thought I liked that they were able to come to some resolution with each other. And as I mentioned several times already, I thought the ending of the episode was very nice and very touching between them. So, agreed. I, but, so, some things that I still want to say about it are. You know, it's funny that I will say this after I just said I don't like the fact that there's all this memorabilia about people who are just still serving and are not dead even. Yep. But the lore, the lore data bottles, yes. the fact that they mentioned lore, just given how we spent the whole first season of Picard, yep. every episode, if you go back and listen to our podcast, probably at least part of it is dedicated to, so do you think we'll see lore next episode? Yeah. Or he'll be mentioned. Well, that was, so, that was, that one, was, one, of my, that was one of my favorite quotes, too. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, here's a question. Did we know Rutherford's first name before this? Yeah, it's not spoken very much, but yes, we did. Okay. Yeah. Samanthan. Samanthan. Yes. Okay. So I did enjoy some of the gags, um, particularly, like I said, on the car chase. Yep. Uh, we had a lot. There. Did you notice there's another Quarks franchise on that Starbase? I didn't notice that. Yes. That must be one of the rules of acquisition is franchise your business. Franchise your business, yes. Yes. Um, I like seeing some... I don't know. They reminded me more of the um, uh, uh, first contact Vulcans. Yep. Those Vulcans that we saw in the ship. Yep. So that was nice to see. Yep. And that's really all I have to say about it. Yeah, I think it kind of worked. I, I also, I sort of mentioned it, but I didn't like the crooked security angle. Didn't love that either. Right. Yeah, I mean, that stuff I enjoyed. I mean, I, I, I instantly thought of you when we saw somebody in the Chris Pike box oh, during, yeah, the, uh, during, the, during the car chase because <laughs> you really enjoyed, during season two of Discovery, you really enjoyed saying box and a light. And you remember you even yeah. drew in a box. Yeah. <laughs> At one point. Yeah. I've got the, I still yeah. got, I've still got a picture of that drawing someplace. I did find it very, very funny that he's they, it seems like with all the technology they had, it's almost like they really screwed Bike when they right. put him in a box right. with the one light. They had so many options. So I did find it very funny. And to see someone else and know that that was just a, something of the medics in at the time, I guess. Um, favorite, do you have any. Um, Years later. Do you have any favorite quotes for this ep- from this episode? Yes, I do. All right. Lay them on me. Hmm? Lay them on me. Okay. This one was quiet. Sort of a toss-off, but often the tossed-off jokes are my favorite. So when they are driving their car and they crash into a um, uh, fish tank of some kind. Yep. And... I forget exactly what Boimler says, but fish Boimler refers to them as fish people, yeah. and one of them very indignantly and insulted says, um, hey, we're not people. <laughs> yep. I really, really enjoyed that. Because we think of that as, you know, that would be sort of a compliment. Oh, you're not a fish, you're a fish person, and to them it's an insult. Yep. We're not people, we're fish. One of mine is when the duplos begin to duplicate, and Freeman's trying to, you know, get control of the situation and she says okay i'm just not gonna say anything we can just be silent she's giving us the silent treatment that's even worse 
<laughs> that was good. And then, Boim was my number one. Now he has to grow a beard. That was my yep. other one. Yeah. Yep. So. And I did like that Mariner used a um, Picard impersonation. Number one. Yep. Yeah. But I figured also, you'd appreciate that because you were doing that a lot. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, Beverly. <laughs> um, but there is a, something about that, too, which, you know, this is Starfleet. They serve in Starfleet. They've met dozens of number ones. Yeah. Right. Right. But. Like us, number one means Riker. Yes, I mean... <laughs> us, the fans, number one means Riker. It was spoken first on the cage, but it wasn't... That didn't carry into the original series, and so it's more associated with Riker. Yes. Yeah. But assuming that they are serving at the time of Riker, number one, every ship has a number one, I assume. Yep. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of number one. And yet, and yet, just like us in this world, the only number one we, they think of is Riker. So it's little things like that I'm starting to get tired of. I was, I was very, I remember watching when, when Discovery premiered and then the, and Giorgio referred to Michael as number one. I was like, oh, so they're bringing this back now. They've really, they've really resurrected the number one terminology. They've really, yeah. Yeah, because we haven't heard it since, have we? They've really resurrected number one. Like we didn't, oh, yeah. hear, we I didn't hear it on Deep Space Nine. We didn't hear it on Voyager or Enterprise, or even right. in the films that Am were I not the next gen. Remembering that Michael was Saru's number one. Uh, toward the in the beginning of season three of Discovery, yes, she was. Okay. But referred to as such in the yes, and the first episode of Discovery. I mean, Giorgio says to Michael at one point, she says, uh, thoughts, number one. And I yeah. thought, oh, so uh, the number one, the nomenclature is returning. Right, yeah. yes. So. But, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, even as I say it, I feel kind of silly in, in these critiques, but but yet I still feel it. Yeah. Uh, but my final observations have been that, yeah, this was so far my favorite of the season. Just I was I liked the plot with Mariner and Boimler quite a bit. And I think that the I feel good about the show and where I think they can try. Again. So in the end, I did like this episode quite a bit. The plot between Mariner and Boimler was, again, really the star of the show. I think we got some really great development in their characters and some great resolution. And so I really want to see where they take us over the next couple of weeks. We have officially crossed the halfway mark for the season already. So we've got five more to go and let's see where they take us. Yeah, I definitely expect more of the same for the season. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But I think I'll laugh and I'll enjoy the episodes. And I'm definitely not going to get us invited to Star Trek Day next year with this commentary, but that's how I feel. Well, at the same time, well, you could have said that about us critiquing that other show. I think it was already set in stone at that point. That's fair. Right. That's fair. That. Well, just don't invite them to the Discovery panels. The show that will not be named. Yes. <laughs> the showrunner that will not be named. Right. I think, I think we're a shoo-in for Picard stuff. Yes, right, Picard. Even yeah. this one, mostly. 
This one mostly, yeah, I meant, yeah. But you are fucking up my chances here. <laughs> so. You're right, we both fucked up our chances. Unless we want to scrub all of season two and three of the other show from our um, yeah. archives. Yeah, but... Yeah, good. I think, again, I think good show this week, and let's see what happens. And uh, with that, that'll bring a conclusion to the episode this week. If anybody wants to reach out to us, you can do so at Star Trek We Trust on Twitter. You can email us at instartrekwetrust at gmail.com. And you can shoot us a follow on Instagram at instartrekwetrustpodcast. I posted three times today. That's a lot of content, y'all. Yes. Yeah. So with that, thanks for joining us, and we'll see everybody next week. Peace out. Peace out.